0: Welcome back to Relish the Journey, a podcast about the many different pathways of life and the stories that every person out there has to share. I am your host, Miles Biggs, and my guest today for episode 26 is the one and only Kyle Shakespeare, hailing from the beautiful garden state of New Jersey. Kyle, thank you for joining me. Miles, thanks for having me. Pumped to be here. So one thing, kind of funny, that I've always wanted to ask you: what was it like growing up with the last name Shakespeare? Did that help with the ladies? That's the hard-hitting question that we open with here. I wouldn't say it helps me. I
1: wouldn't say it hurt me. It's uh, more of a conversation starter. Sure.
0: I don't know if you owned it and you like wrote poems and said, hey, I'm a Shakespeare, and you just went for it.
1: No, to be honest, I really actually don't appreciate his work. I, I always got bored of it. Really? I didn't like reading old English.
0: Wow. That's what we call irony, my friend. Ha, <laughs> that's for sure. So what have you been up to, dude? I feel like you're one of the people in my life that I don't talk to every day, but when I do, it's like, I just saw you yesterday. It's been a while since we caught up. So what's, you know, what's new? What are you, what are you up to? What's consuming your days? Uh, I put a lot of time into,
1: into work. So I work for Fastenal Company. It's a full-on industrial supply company that's got 2,500 locations across the U.S. I'm a general manager of my own branch
0: I manage six people and to tell you the truth, that's most of my time and then on weekends, you know, I'm either low key or like to go out with friends and hang out. Yeah. But I mean, what
1: about you, man? I mean, I know you've you've taken the same turn as me in, in my life. What are you up to?
0: Yeah, man, it's um the baby kind of rules our world. Besides that. It's just work again, like you said, high up in my company as well. So, you know, it's kind of all-consuming. And then whatever time I'm not working, I like to spend with family and watch my son grow up and then spend as much time outdoors as possible while the weather's still nice with the dog and Claire and go hiking or running, biking... I want to get a kayak real soon because we moved closer to a creek, and I just got a new car with crossbars on the on the top, so I can definitely have a kayak now. I want to do that soon, but it's just enjoying the relaxation, you know, just finding that solace and not doing anything, you know, recharging those batteries is very important. Yeah, I think that's the hardest thing in life to do is just find
1: uh, an activity that you enjoy that you can quote unquote, turn your brain off too and, you know, just enjoy the moment.
0: Yeah, dude. And I like this podcast for that too, because it it's kinda sad that it takes me hitting a record button to force myself to catch up with people, but in a way, I'm glad that I forced myself to do it because it's fun to just carve these moments out. I said before we were setting this up literally ten minutes ago. I just texted you out of the blue and said, "Dude, podcast?" Question mark Because I was just putting Mason down for a nap and I knew I'd have about an hour that I could fit one in. You popped in my head recently, just for I don't know why, but I wanted to reach out to you. I figured might as well record the conversation and do an episode. So yeah,
1: I'm pumped to be here, man. I mean,
0: what you might not look at it
1: as that I do is it's cool too, because you know there's other people that you know I have the same feeling with that I don't get to talk to all the time but when I do talk to him it's like we didn't have any gaps between talking the last time so it's like getting to hear other people catch up too without being that person talking to them which is kind of weird
0: but no that's cool I never thought of it that way but I guess you're right yeah a lot of our college buddies if you hadn't talked to them in a while you can listen to my conversation with them and, and get caught up
1: yeah it's like kind of like being that creeper on the side of you, <laughs> but you get to hear all the updates in the other our other brother's lives too which is always cool
0: no that's cool I, I mean that's i appreciate the point of view. I never thought of it that way, but I like that. I like to think about that now that I'm helping other people stay in touch through, you know, the sidelines, if you will. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I think about college all the time. I mean, I wouldn't say I miss being in college, but I definitely miss, uh, you know, living down the hall from all our buddies, you know, having that easy access to everyone. It's definitely a lot different now that we've been You know, out of school for, what, almost five years now?
0: Yeah. Yeah, dude, how easy was college, looking back on it? Like, in the moment, everything was the hardest thing ever, but now it's like, shit, that was really simple. I wish I didn't wish that time away as much as I did.
1: We live the dream. In every aspect of it, we live
0: the dream. So, one thing I want to ask you, because I was thinking about this when I was texting you, I do not remember the first time that we met, and I was wondering if you did.
1: I think my first vivid memory of you would probably be when I came up on the floor at a random night when I was a freshman. Yeah. I met you. I met Mike. I was in your room. You guys were playing like a G6.
0: (laughs) We did like that song. You
1: did. You guys had the black lights going. I thought your room was like the coolest one ever because you guys had like the flags and the black lights. It was one of those, you know, random floor nights.
0: Yeah. So then you mentioned brothers before. So we were fraternity brothers and you were my little brother. And you joined later than most people in fraternity. Most people joined in freshman year, but I think you joined. It was sophomore and junior year, right, for you?
1: Yeah, I joined fall of my junior year.
0: Yeah, so what about our fraternity drew you in? And, like, talk about that for a minute, because that's pretty late in your college career. Most people say, you know what? You know, I've been here long enough, not for me. But you decided to, to go for it. So let's talk about that. What, what drove that decision for you?
1: To be honest, like, we were kind of speaking about before, like, looking into the Masonic colleges, it uh, kind of ties into the brotherhood aspect, the camaraderie you guys had. Uh, you guys were all really so guys uh, I felt the connection with a lot of you prior to you uh, looking into the fraternity just knowing you guys as people and you know I believed in the mission man I and mean, we had a slogan for Rush the one you joined the movement and you know it was a movement for sure and I think that's what really was the biggest draw to me
0: that's awesome yeah I mean I felt similarly that's why I joined too most people have that animal house image in their mind but for a small school as Lycoming, that definitely wasn't it for us. I mean, sure, we had parties. Everybody did. I mean, I feel like we did more non party stuff than party stuff. When it came to community service or just hanging out and study sessions and things like that, leadership oriented activities, it was that took up more space than partying on the weekends.
1: Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I think we had a deeper brotherhood than most from the outside may have perceived it at times because, you know, they weren't between our walls. But, yeah, I think partying definitely was
0: last on our list in
1: a lot of different ways.
0: And what's funny is it was almost first on our, if I'm being honest, it was first on my list for one of the reasons that even brought me up there. Like I was like, yeah, we're going to a party. I want a party here. But then you start to realize that there's way more to it than that. And then that's what kept me there. Like the initial party is definitely what brought me in. But then the plus, like party plus, if you would, plus all the other things, is what kept me there. Was it the same for you?
1: Absolutely. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. I mean, I was on the floor looking to find some beer to drink and some
0: people. Yeah, that's what college, I mean, that's college. Interestingly yeah. enough, I mean, did you hear the national, I guess it'd be the Interfraternity Council recently passed a, you know, quote unquote law, but decision that hard alcohol is now banned from fraternity parties.
1: That's interesting. I did not hear
0: that. Which, what I think, I find a few things interesting about this. One, that they can ban anything in general. And two, it's like, it's not supposed to be there anyway. You know, if you think about the FIPG policy, it was you could have a six-pack of beer or a four-pack of wine coolers. You were technically never allowed to have Howard Alcohol. But now they've banned it anyway. It, it's just interesting. It, to me, it's just, I feel like they're kind of killing it a little bit. Like they're going to overregulate it, and it's going to be more of a pain in the ass to be in the organization than just show up and do what you want and leave. I feel like, not that partying needs to be a big thing about it, but they're making it harder to, I don't know, to keep growing numbers and, and to get people because. We're, we're kidding ourselves if we say people don't come to college and think they want to party and have a good time and go to the, the quote-unquote frats. You know what I mean? That's, that's how most of us got there. And then the right people stay for the right reasons. But I don't know. We were at a small school. I'm sure at big places like Penn State and Arizona State and other places, it's a bigger problem than it was with us. But I just thought that was interesting when I read that article. Yeah, you know, I would agree. I mean, it was kind of a handful when when we were there.
1: You know, we had a pretty large brotherhood, and you know, looking back at it now, with how uh, you know our chapter is a little smaller, I I got to be honest, I haven't really kept in touch with the guys. I don't think I know one person in the current fraternity, but uh, I am versed in their numbers. And there's you know, they're a smaller group and. You know, it was was stressful for us with a big group with some of the rules at times. So, looking at what they go through now, I I can definitely imagine it being a little bit of a different experience from that point of view. I mean, when we threw a party, we had had sober party monitors. We had guys at the doors. You know, their size now, do any of them even get to go into the party? Or are they just facilitators
0: to have people over? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was almost like we were running a straight up nightclub at times. (laughs) You know, look at all the, the, everything you had to do is kind of nuts. Yeah. One, sure, thing, I mean, one thing, one thing about college again, I remembered you setting Twitter on fire with at New Jersey problems.
1: Yeah, it was, that was a lot of fun to run that account.
0: Do you still run it? Is it still an active thing?
1: It's active. Yeah, I just got to reset my password. I don't remember what I made it four years ago.
0: Let's so you don't actively tweet to it. No, I don't. I still, thought, last I looked, I had like 16,000 followers, so, but. You just said so that, I, you said it so nonchalantly. Oh, 16,000 followers, no big deal. Jake but, it was super cool. Like, Jake Briggs challenged me the one time. I had like 900
1: followers. He goes, dude, why are you doing this? You're wasting your time. I'm like, dude, this thing's gonna get so much bigger. He's like, there's no way. And. Ironically enough, that was around Hurricane Sandy, and I think I gained like 15,000 followers just from you know, about a dozen tweets from that alone. And Jake looked at me and he goes, I can't believe you have that many followers. And I was like, Jake, I can't either. So
0: it was, <laughs> it was a really cool experience. So why'd you stop? I didn't enjoy putting time into it, to tell you the
1: truth, at one point. I I ran out of things to say. I mean, if looking back at it, if I was going to ever open it up again, I'd probably rebrand it.
0: Yeah, what would you rebrand it as?
1: Got to be honest, something New Jersey still to keep the theme, but probably more um, current events, things that people can do that are, you know, in our age bracket, just calendar awareness, and I try to make money by advertising on Twitter, searching events, but, like, looking at social media, do you go on Twitter a lot anymore?
0: No, no, not at all. I only do it for the yeah, podcast, no, I mean, that's no. it. No, it's all Instagram yeah. now. I mean, everybody's on Instagram, that's it.
1: Yeah, that's the big one, so that's probably the other deterrent to
0: me. So, what are you doing now that is... Like what's your passion right now? I mean, you said you're putting a lot of time into work, and I just saw on Instagram. I think ironically, you met the founder of your company, and you're doing well there, and that's awesome. But so, what outside of work? What are you doing that's filling your time and you know holding in your interests? I'm a pretty boring, dude,
1: Miles. I'm mostly work. So not doing that. I'm with my some of my friends, but other than that, I mean, I guess I'd be. I have a pretty strong interest now in real estate. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm looking to try to get some rental properties in my portfolio and you know, just trying to really build towards the future. I have a big interest in trying to own my own business one day, so I'd really like to get into a business that I could correlate with some philanthropy. Like I applied for a Chick-fil-A franchise application.
0: Dude, that's cool. Uh,
1: unfortunately, didn't get that, but I think a big part of that is really having a lot of liquid capital. And, oh, yeah, I'm you know, sure. I've got liquid capital, but I mean, what is the average liquid capital for someone our age
0: yeah not a million dollars which is probably what they want for Chick-fil-A you know something stupid like that
1: yeah I mean they actually only want $10,000 from you and they invest all the rest
0: oh wow it's like, oh. not bad at all
1: think, no it's pretty cool if anybody that's listening is interested I think it's an awesome program and uh, you know obviously they're a wonderful company but I mean I, I guess it's a kind of a shallow way to measure someone's success in terms of business you know if you're not if you have an entrepreneurial spirit and you have a lot of money you've done something well
0: right so how's uh um, you're still with your girlfriend or no that- no i'm single no man i was gonna say i forget her name but i don't feel bad that i forget her name
1: yeah i don't feel bad that's fine
0: i'm sorry dude everything
1: happens for a reason
0: um okay so let's capitalize on this you're single this is a podcast it's going live to the world what do you want to say to the little ladies out there
1: I want to meet a girl that's down to go on an adventure, down to travel, and you know, open-minded towards new things. That's what I'd be into. Yeah? Yeah, ride the wave. Go wherever it takes you.
0: What is dating like at our age? Because I don't know. I mean, I got married very young. So what is it like in the dating scene right now?
1: i got to be honest, man. It's kind of awkward because, you know, you're talking to a total stranger on the other end of the keyboard. You think about college, like you remember we used to talk about playing the game, playing seats. Yeah. it's kind of the same thing like you don't want to give too much we don't to give too little but you need to try to be interesting at the same time so it's a, it's a different world i don't know i don't wouldn't say i enjoy it. i wouldn't say i don't it's just you know kind of like a side hobby in between the rest of everything else sure but uh definitely i do what you and claire have is something special and Mason's you know, a beautiful kid so happy for you guys
0: thanks man so what do you think in the grand scheme of things i like to ask people these questions uh-huh. I want to get to know the Kyle Shakespeare I, I don't know. Like, I met you in college. So, let's talk about what it was like growing up in New Jersey as Kyle Shakespeare. Were you the same person you were then that you were when you went to college? I mean, let's rewind the clock and take me back. Wow, that's... Yeah, those that are deep questions.
1: So, um... I got to Lycoming for one reason. So I was in a high school college fair, and there was the Lycoming college table, and there was nobody talking to this guy. Nobody. So I was like, I'm going to go find out what Lycoming's about. It was actually Glenn Smith, who's still with the college, believe it or not. Oh,
0: yeah. That's who uh, That's who was my admissions counselor, too. Was like small world. Look at that. Right? Yeah.
1: So I go over to Glenn, and I've actually told him this story, too. He, he couldn't believe it, but... I talked to him for about 45 minutes, he tried to sell me on there being a baseball team next spring, which I was interested in, and I ended up going to visit, and to tell you the truth, I walked on campus with my dad, we were, we were walking past Lamedy Gymnasium, down college place there, and you know, I looked at it and I said, Dad, this is where I want to be, like, this feels like home right now, we didn't even see the rest of campus yet, so. Dude,
0: um, that's exactly my story. Really? Yeah, I stepped out on campus, right near Lamedy, like you said. It was already right in Lounge. It was in the parking lot still, and I looked at my parents and just said, "Yup, this was it." It was just like something hit me. It was like I got struck by lightning. It just felt like home, like you said. I actually only applied to like homing. I didn't apply anywhere else because I just knew that's where I wanted to go, and so that's I only put my energy into that. So I, I, awesome. I relate to that man. I had that same feeling. It's crazy.
1: What time of year did you go visit it the first time?
0: That's a good question. Um, I really don't remember. I think it was probably summer. I mean, it, was, it would have been over summer that I was out of school visiting colleges. So summertime was the first visit. And then I came back for a recruiting trip like probably in August when they were just back to school for swimming.
1: Wow, that's... That's a cool uh, similarity we have that we didn't even we've never even talked about. But um, other than that, I mean, it was different going from New Jersey to Central Pennsylvania. I was I was in culture shock to tell you the honest truth. Had a hard time relating to a lot of those kids because you know they're talking about going outside, hunting, dirt bikes, fishing, and you know I'm I wouldn't say I'm in a country part of New Jersey, so. I definitely had some different interests compared to a lot of those other students. So, to tell you the truth, where I found a lot of the common ground with people were guys that were looking at uh, our fraternity at the time. So, that was probably another reason why I was so interested in going up there. Sure. In in terms of Lycoming, it was a special place. I tell people now, like when like, like, where did you go to school? I'm like, I went to Lycoming College. Like, where is that? And I said, it's probably the best campus you've never heard of. You should check it out.
0: Yeah, that's a great tagline. They should use that. The best campus you've never heard of, like Lycoming College. <laughs>
1: I'm sure they wish you did hear of them, but yeah. let's go more into Miles Biggs. So tell me more about like your trip and journey to Lycoming. I know you were a swimmer and that was probably part of why you went there, but that's something
0: I've never got to ask you. Either. Oh yeah, sure. I mean, that's the only reason I was there. I got a letter from uh, Jerry Hamaker for swimming and just saying they were interested in me. And so we took the trip there. And set up the campus visit, I met with Glenn Smith, like you said, and he tore me the campus. I sat in on a class when I was visiting for a recruitment trip and stayed with Joe Cooter, who was my host. I mean, that was it. I mean, I left my recruiting trip just saying, yep, this is it. And I remember asking, it was funny, because (laughs) this tells you how, uh, you know, I've always hated authority to a certain extent and hated doing things just because I'm told to do them. And so in my high school, we were given the options. You could take, I only needed three years of science to graduate. And I only needed two years of language to graduate. And so I didn't take a language or a science because I talked to Lycoming and they said, oh, no, you're good. You don't need those classes to get in here. And I was like, okay, well, this is where I'm applying. So screw it. I'm not taking any more language classes and I'm not taking science. (laughs) So my senior year of college, I had like three different study halls because I just took the minimum classes to get out of there because I knew I didn't need it. And I remember people saying, come on, you know, foreign language is important. You need this. And I'm like, nope, I don't need it. (laughs) Physics? Nope. I don't need it. I, you know, I did my thing. And so, I don't know. That's just funny, but... That just popped in my head as you asked that. So, I really, it was swimming. I was, I really wanted to swim in college. I looked at a couple D1 schools. I went, I looked at Seton Hall in New Jersey because that's where my parents went. I looked at Ryder University. That's where my uncle went. I looked at LVC, which is Lebanon Valley College. That's where my sister went, and a couple other schools, but nothing really. It just felt all so institutional when I visited there. And when I stepped at Lyco, that's like you said, it felt like home. It felt like there was just something in the air that just felt like I was meant to be there, which I think I was. I mean, I meant, You and all of our other fraternity brothers, that's really become my extended family post-college. I met my wife. I can't imagine my life if I did not go to Lycoming. You know, it would be completely, completely different. I mean, I got my job because of that. I mean, I met my boss. He was speaking on campus because he was an alum of the college. So it's, you know, serendipitous.
1: Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, I get a lot of nostalgia whenever I go on Route 80 West and I start going out. I could, I could go out there for 10 minutes and I feel like I'm going back to Lycoming. And to me, that's, that's just is a testament to what kind of a place it is. And I feel the same way. I mean, I, I can't imagine where I'd be right now because I started at my job now because I had an internship there at Lycoming and it really gave me so many other inroads into my life. And the irony is, if you knew me in college, I probably wasn't the most studious person in our fraternity pretty far from it you know I actually went to Lycoming with an ambition to become more studious believe that or not
0: with Lycoming then what do you think post-graduation to where you are now what's been your highest moment in life what's been your lowest moment in life let's start with the low and then go to the high because I feel like you learn the most from the low
1: you know I'm glad you mentioned that because there was one moment in my life You know, I've got a six-inch scar on the back of my head that represents that moment that really changed my life forever. So, you know, I was out of control drinking, didn't have any regard for anybody else when I was doing it except, I guess, you know, feeding uh, an inner demon inside me that wanted it. I ended up hitting my head on a cigarette and I cracked my head open. That was probably the most defining moment for me in terms of changing. I think if there's one moment that, you know, made me instantaneously mature, it was that moment. So that would definitely be my low point, but I'd argue that was my high point because that was a great turning point in my life. In terms of a high point, I would say it was just graduating. I mean, that was just such a fun day in my life and an awesome accomplishment. I'm the second person for my family to graduate from college. And,
0: That's awesome. You know, just
1: the memories that support that were I – and mean, there's something forgettable. We could talk all day about those.
0: Sure. That's awesome, dude. I didn't know that you are only the second person for your family. That's really cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, some families have that, some don't. So for me, that was – That was a pretty cool moment, but what about you? What would you say your low was from that time, and what was your high?
0: Oh, man. My low from that time would probably have been um, freshman year. I had come to college with a girlfriend, um, which was silly looking back. And that just imploded. I mean, it was just, it did not work. I didn't have a car. She couldn't come to see me. It was just, it was silly. So that ended. And then I had this weird time after it ended where I was just trying to be a rebel without a cause and living what I thought would be like the, the movie definition of college and figured out real quick that there's a reason why it's movies and not real life. Like you can't actually act that way in real life. And I had to really just kind of get my shit together. And that was a very big learning point for me. Um, high point in college, there were a lot of cool moments in the fraternity. I would say the moment where I felt like we had I had like made it and done what I wanted to do was when we got such a large recruiting classes. I remember Mike Tonart and I looking at each other freshman year because he was my roommate and saying, one day everyone on this campus is going to know our names. We both said it to each other. We're like, we're going to make this happen. And we were just arrogant and you know full of piss and vinegar and wanted to make stuff happen. And we certainly did. And everybody did, good or bad. People knew who we were. And the first year, well, it, was our, it was our sophomore year. We got 14 um, new recruits, which is huge at a small school. And to top that, it was 14 out of every bid we gave out. We got 14 for 14. And then the next year, we got 16. So my two year, first two years in the fraternity, we got 30 new people, which was huge. And I was fraternity educator for those 16 people. And that was... That was fun. I really loved that. Being president my senior year wasn't fun. I mean, it was a lot of BS and a lot of responsibility and stress. But I would say my junior year, being fraternity educator, that was probably like my high point. Yeah, no, those were cool moments. And you know, I got to be honest. When you got those first fourteen, you know, I wanted to be in that class so bad. But you know, like I alluded to, I wasn't
1: the most studious person, so I actually wasn't qualified from an academic standpoint to look to join. So I put that under my regrets. For sure. That would definitely yeah. be one of the things I could go I would go back and change. But for how everything worked out, I don't think I'd change anything looking back at it. Everything happened for the right reason at the right time.
0: Right. So what would you say what's the best piece of advice that you've received and what's the best piece of advice that you could give?
1: The best piece of advice I'd ever received is probably from my past regional vice president at Fastball, Ralph Fellaini. He gave me a piece of advice that stuck with me. So he was a Division One college hockey player. What he said was, you know, I'll tell you what, I wasn't the best, but I worked the hardest, and I never let anyone outwork me, and that's how I got to where I am today. So for him to say that, that really resonated with me because I also don't feel like I'm the best at what I do, but I will sure as hell outwork you on it. Sure best piece of advice that I could give to anybody is, you know, just be honest with yourself, be real with everybody around you, and if you're being honest and real, everything's going to work out because you're genuine, and there's not many genuine people in this world, so that'll make you better than the people around you. That's very true. Very true. You're in charge of, you know, how many different people now at Ritzcraft? You know, you've had an amazing rise to your career. What would you add on to that for people listening with your advice on life?
0: It's a good question. I'd say don't lose sight of what's the most important. I mean, all too often, work's important, don't get me wrong, but at what expense? You know, I mean, we need to be successful in our professional lives, but... We can't lose sight of who we are as individuals because if you do that, you're not going to be the best person you can be in the professional sense. You can't lose sight of your family. You can't lose sight of your health and exercise or spirituality. You know, you have to be the best version of yourself in order to be the best version of yourself in the office. If you focus too much on work and let everything else go, then you're going to have false fulfillment, false success because... Everything else is going to slip, and that's what makes it worth it, is everything else. I've had to learn that the hard way. I've, I've gone too far sometimes, but it's it's very true. I mean, you can't sacrifice one for the other and really be happy. You'll think you'll be happy, and then one day you'll wake up and realize that you're not the most happy.
1: I agree with that 100%. I actually can really, really hard to that, so... I was working 14-hour days with my commute each day, I drive about an hour and 45 minutes uh, with my ride to and from work, and, you know, the one thing I really lost sight of was myself. You know, I was putting everything I had into work, but I wasn't focused on myself, and I actually just went through this workout program, the Steve Weatherford 30 Day Metabolic Challenge, and down 15 pounds, probably in the best shape I've been since post-swimming my senior year. I gotta say, that, that really hit home for those reasons, because I was going through the same feelings, and i'm probably the happiest i've been in three years too
0: that's awesome so how would you describe your life in three words
1: in three words
0: yeah it could be a phrase it can be three individual words but just three
1: I always love the saying, like, this came from college, peace be the journey. I'd say that kind of personifies my life, and it's ironic that your podcast is pretty similar to that. That or Ride the Wave. You know, I'm pretty big on the vibes, and yeah. just kind of riding it out and seeing where it goes. Yeah, I believe God has a plan, and, you know, wherever that proverbial wave takes me, it'll be where I'm supposed to be.
0: Well, for a Jersey boy, Ride the Wave seems very, very applicable. Well, the beach is my favorite place, so. <laughs> Dude, mine too, guy, man. Mine too. Mine too. So has there been a time in your life where you feel like you haven't ridden the wave? You've gone opposite of that?
1: Uh, Probably in college was the most. You know, I had some pretty dark times in college. And I think a lot of that stems from the drinking, you know, substance abuse that way
0: and binge drinking. And, you know, the feelings and side effects that come from that. Yeah. What about you? Man, I mean... I don't know. You're one of the few people that interviews me as I'm interviewing you. <laughs> um, oh, I mean, I like no, it's your take too. No, I appreciate that. Um, I don't know. I mean, so the question was if there's any moment where you didn't fulfill ride the wave. So I feel like I'm very good at riding the wave to, to almost my detriment. I mean, I'm very much go with the flow and sometimes it's too much and I should go against the wave, you know, and, but I'm just very easygoing and, you know, that's a good thing sometimes and a bad thing other times. So, it's, I think it's all about choosing when to ride the wave and when to, you know, punch the wave in the face, <laughs> if you would, and, <laughs> and challenge nature and make your own waves, you know?
1: No, I like that. i got to be honest, man. I'm a salesman, so... I don't talk about myself very much, you know. Most of my conversations are centralized on the other person. Sure. You know, especially while I'm dating a lot now. The last thing you want is like that dude across
0: the table that just takes like three hours and says, yeah, this is me. No, you're right. I mean, that's why you're good at sales. If you're good at just listening and letting the other person talk, then that's half the battle with sales.
1: Yeah, I'm out of my element doing this. I got to be honest, but it's cool.
0: That's fine. No, I appreciate you doing it. Those are my main questions for the podcast, man. I mean, is there anything else you want to say? I mean, this is your episode. I'm going to go with Ride the Wave as the title. What else do you want to share with the world? If anything, this can be your platform. you have a message you want to get out there that you want to talk about?
1: I mean, if I had to say anything about Ride the Wave, I would say, um, you know, for anybody listening, I would care if there's anything to take out of this episode. It's just, you know, it sounds cheesy, but live your best life. You know, every day, wake up with a purpose. Have a common goal for that day. You know, if it's getting to the gym, well, don't drive past the road to get there. Just go do it. You know, if you're you're at work and you're like, I should do this, but I want to go home, just do it. Whatever you do, just stay on course, you know, stay on your road and, you know, everything will happen for a better reason later on for whatever that's worth or whatever it is. I know it sounds kind of lame, but.
0: Nah, dude, I love that. I mean, I think that's a problem with a lot of people is that they want things but they're not willing to do what it takes to get those things. They're they're comfortable in their excuses. They'll drive past the gym and say, "Oh, you know, it's raining today. I can't work out or I stubbed my toe this morning. I can't do push-ups." You know, it's you have to just do it. You have to put the work in whether you like it or not, and eventually you'll be better for it. But otherwise, you'll just be, you know, you'll love the excuses and have nothing, you know, no improvements. And a lot of people are just comfortable with that. They don't like to hear the hard truth, you know, that we're the only people that can control change in our lives. No one's going to do it for us. You know, you have to take action and take those steps forward. Otherwise, you're really moving backwards.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, if you're comfortable, you're doing something wrong because the only way to grow is going out of your comfort zone. So,
0: Absolutely. you know, if that means in my, my realm, practicing mock sales calls trying new things or you know for somebody that fell off
1: the wheel like me goes to the gym and doesn't feel good doing it, it's like we'll keep doing it because in a couple of weeks you're gonna feel like you've been there for the past year and it'll,
0: it'll all be worth it yeah i mean think about muscle growth as an example you have to literally break the current muscles down For them to regrow, and that's where the soreness comes from. So you're gonna feel pain for a while, but that means that you're moving forward. So pain is growth. You can't steer away from the pain. You have to lean into the pain, whether it's exercise or it's life, it's emotional, it's whatever. I mean, you have to feel something to move forward.
1: Yeah, I love the way you put that. I I couldn't agree more in any other way. I mean, that's that's the way to get better. Whether it's your career, you know, personal growth you got to feel some sort of pain, whether it's physical or mental. And, you know, that's just part of developing.
0: Absolutely. All right. I've asked you all my questions. You've asked me some along the way, but it's only fair to give you the spotlight now. Do you have anything else you want to ask me?
1: Yeah, I asked you this before, but I'm going to ask you again because right, I want the world to hear because your son's name is awesome.
0: How did you and Claire come
1: up with Mason?
0: I don't remember. I wish I had a great answer for this. <laughs> but We fought for months about the name. I mean, she wanted Grayson and a bunch of other names that I thought were too trendy that I didn't like. And I really liked family names. I was pushing for, you know, either one of our, our father's names or I always thought I'd name my son Miles after me. But then when it came to it, I didn't want someone else with my name under the same roof. I thought that'd be weird. And I don't really know where Mason came from. It was just one day we both agreed on that name. And so his name is Mason. His middle name is Miles and then Biggs. So it's Mason, Miles, Biggs awesome name and then uh i guess
1: you asked me for what my takeaway would be what would be the miles big takeaway from this episode and if you had to give advice to anybody else listening out there
0: i take away for anybody i mean i get frustrated with people that are content to complain and don't take action I have a lot of people say me at work, you know, I feel like I'm bitching. And I'll say, no, you're not bitching. Bitching is complaining for the sake of complaining. You know, you're bringing me a problem. And that's fine because you know you want to fix it. But bring me a solution too. You know, you don't just bring a problem without a solution. That's bitching. So I would say that would be my takeaway as the topics we've talked about is life's hard, everybody. You know, it doesn't go perfect. But you know what? Get over it. You know, everybody's dealing with the same shit. You know, we all have our own problems, but we all have the same choice as well. You can either be a victim or you can take control of your own circumstance, work, put the time in, expand your skill set, your abilities, your network, and just be better, get better. And it's not going to happen overnight. But one day you're going to look back. And all those incremental changes day after day, all that work you put in is going to amount to something and you can look back and smile. So it's, I hate our generation because people in their twenties are just partying, getting drunk at the clubs and, you know, being children. And then, then they want everything handed to them. You know, I'm going to be the guy in my forties, fifties, that's going to retire early. And then I'll be in my twenties all over again, do whatever the hell I want to, because I've worked to get that. No one's handing it to me. So that would be my takeaway of some of the things we've talked about is just be the architect of your own destiny and don't wait for someone else to do it for you because that's not going to happen. It's not reality.
1: That's perfect. I love that. I feel the exact same way. You know, I tell a lot of my employees the same thing. Like, you know, if you want change, that be the change because I'm not going to do it for you. I don't have the time or the effort to
0: put into it, so. Yeah, dude. If you want something, make it happen for yourself. You're not going to win the lottery every day, but you can be your own lottery, you know? Pull the winning ticket, whatever the hell you want a winning ticket. It just takes work. Oh, that's,
1: that's so true. My last question for you, Miles, is are you attending homecoming?
0: Hell yeah, I'm attending homecoming, dude. I, uh... I organized that 70th anniversary thing for Lambda Chi, so I'll be there, at least on that Saturday. Are you coming? That's
1: awesome. I'm, I will be there, too. Nice, you know, dude. Any brothers listening, you know, I hope that you join us.
0: Yes, Lambda Chi Alpha at Lycoming College. And Lambda Phi Delta, who we started with as a local chapter, are celebrating our 70th anniversary at Lycoming College in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. So we're getting the generations together. It'd be cool. I actually heard from IB number two, believe it or not, which is really cool. That might be the coolest thing we talked about. <laughs> yeah, dude. So for those of you listening, I'm IB873. Kyle, you're what? 911. 9-1-1. 911. 9-1-1. Yeah, call the police. So there's probably, they're up to like 950 or something. So there's 950 people initiated. This guy was the second guy initiated almost 70 years ago at this point. And he's coming, which is pretty cool. So that'd be neat. But yes, I'll be there, man. I look forward to seeing you. Yeah,
1: I'm looking forward to seeing you as well. And uh, for any of our other brothers or listeners out there, if you're interested in catching up, feel free to reach out. I love hearing from people. It's
0: always nice. I love that. All right, man. Well, thank you for being a guest and for humor me, and I look forward to staying in touch and talking to you here like homing in a few weeks
1: sounds great miles thanks for having me
0: all right thank you everyone for listening to another episode of relish the journey please tune in wherever you listen to podcasts apple google tune in stitcher and at libsyn.com be sure to rate it and subscribe. Believe it or not, that's how things move up in the charts in the world. And email me at miles, dot at gmail.com. Thanks for Kyle for humoring me and being my guest this evening. I appreciate him opening up. And thanks to Danielle, my audio producer for making this audio magic you're all hearing. And thank you to all of you. And until next time, relish the journey and keep on living your lives.